Really at Jam City, we want to treat the players first and foremost. We really care about their experiences. That comes down to ad quality and what type of ads they're seeing. So we want to make sure that the performance is there. A waterfall management does take a lot of time. The big drawback is the back and forth with networks, obviously the uh, analysis behind it, and not always is the juice worth the squeeze, so to speak. That was Kyle. Kyle is the Senior Director of Ad Monetization from Jam City, and he uses IronSource's platform to automate his monetization and grow game revenue. That is time that is really maximized and could theoretically be a 50 to 100% to 2x increase in overall ad revenue. Theoretically, Level Play just automates a lot of that. That is a huge time sink for a lot of our teams. Want to grow like Jam City? Get the SDK on ironslc.com. That's ironslc.com. We all know it. Mobile marketing is going through a paradigm shift. With the industry moving towards a more aggregate way of measuring marketing efforts, marketers' ability to measure and understand the impact of their marketing investments is further curtailed. AppSlyer, though, is not sitting on the sidelines. The company has set a goal to help their customers and the entire mobile ecosystem to successfully navigate the new era of mobile marketing. And that's where AppSlyer's latest product, the incrementality solution, comes to play. It's a product that truly empowers marketers to gain a better understanding of the real value that their marketing efforts hold. AppSlyer's incrementality solution is built around remarketing. It simplifies the process of designing, executing, and analyzing incremental lift tests at scale, which previously was something that only the biggest players on the market were able to do. With, with incrementality, marketers can focus on the end goal of their test without actually having to worry about the heavy lifting that comes with it. To learn more about incrementality and to read the success stories from publishers like Kabam, I suggest you head out to appsliers.com. Hey everybody, welcome to Twig 108. On the podcast today, you have myself, Joe Kim, and Mishka Katkoff. And unfortunately, we are missing our co-hosts. We lost our co-hosts after they got pissed off. After Mishka, you audible the change in content. Today, we'll be talking about the quarterly financial reporting from Zynga, Glue and Electronic Arts. But maybe we could talk about that, Mishka. Why did you want to talk about the financial results of these public companies today? <laughs> so, all right, let's take a step back. First of all, we did not lose the co-host. Adam is not here because he's he's renovating his massive mansion somewhere in Canada next to Toronto. And that all that renovation sounds is kind of like hindering his podcasting performance. So, you know, let him do his house. And Eric decided not to come on to the podcast because Eric is actually, well, he's an advisor. He advises companies on Zynga, on Glue, on EA. So he wants to keep his advices paid, but nobody pays us for advices. So we can talk about these, these public companies. And I really wanted to talk about the, this piece of news because I think it's it's the most interesting stuff. Now we're seeing a little bit of into financials. We're hearing what the CEOs are talking about. We're getting a glimpse of their view of the industry. And then we're doing a little bit of a sensor tower data magic where we're looking at our numbers and that's what we're gonna talk about today. So it's a fun episode. It's a step back to where we started. You know, we're only half a million installs in now with this podcast. So, so this is kind of like the day one. Um, yeah. Anyway, let's keep right. on, keep rocking on and let's start talking about the updates. So 
On my side, I have two updates. Uh, and first one is uh, kind of like news. First one was Chris Petrovich, who headed Zingness Corporate Development and M&A. So after four years, he has decided to leave the company. Massive value added uh, from, from that executive. I think he's like the most value adding executive in M&A in recent history. Uh, nobody else really comes to mind. Built an amazing team, uh, did four massive acquisitions. You got the Graham Games, you got the Peak, you got Small Giant, and who am I missing? JK, can you help me out? Relic. Boom, that's it. Four massive acquisitions, three of them actually Turkish. It's probably he's like a national hero in Turkey as well. So, so, um, so, <clears throat> amazing person, uh, and and um, and definitely taking. Yeah, I don't know what he's doing next, but I would assume that he's gonna uh, kind of rest a little bit because that's a that's a lot of work in inside four years, and and Zing has truly grown during his time as a head of corporate development. And the other person actually leaving is Social Points' other CEO. So they have two CEOs. Uh, let me see if I can pronounce these uh, these name right. Horacio Horacio Martos and Andres Bo, and Andres Bo is the second CEO who has decided to leave the company, and and both of them ha- are the founding partners of of Social Point. So Andres is yeah pursuing something else, probably gonna be still in in entrepreneurial scene, but doing other things. So massive uh, congrats to him as well. Built the company, scaled the company. It's a it's a stable, successful company. Sold it actually to to Take Two, so um, all the best to to Andres in his future endeavor, as well as Chris. All right. Speaking of Chris Petrovic, though, uh, we will have something. I think Eric is going to be doing something with Chris where he interviews him about something, maybe lessons learned, something like that. So stay tuned. We're going to have some cool content with him. And in terms of updates from me. So according to BBC News, NVIDIA has developed a version of GeForce, their cloud gaming service that actually runs in the Safari web browser. So given that, Apple therefore cannot track IAP transactions through the browser and Apple therefore won't be able to get its typical 30% royalty rate. Also, BBC notes that Amazon already offers Luna cloud gaming to early access iOS users, but it will not include Fortnite, and Microsoft is reportedly developing a version of xCloud for the, for the mobile Safari, but has an unannounced launch date as of yet. And final update from me, as a guy who just bought a new Apple MacBook Pro, and I posted about it in Instagram, and then my friend was like, oh, I didn't know you got the new ARM-based MacBook, and I was like, what? <laughs> so apparently today, Apple will be announcing a new uh, line of uh, MacBook Pros using the new ARM processor, which would then mean that the ARM-based MacBook Pros will be able to more easily use iOS-based apps on Macs. So that could potentially be a opportunity area for especially folks like us who are developing for iOS. I don't know why you keep using Mac. So I, I switched to Razor Blade Stealth. This piece is magic. Like the Excels that my MacBook Pro was having problems with, this, yeah. this bad boy just chugs through. Also, plays Division without any problems. And, and of course, it plays on World of Warships, which is actually a little <laughs> bit of a problem. <laughs> but, but, uh, but yeah, just switch to the PC Master Race, dude. It's, it's worth it. 
Yeah, there's a lot of games I am missing out on because of Mac. But Razor yeah. Blade Stealth. I'm not a sponsor of this this podcast, but Razor, you're doing an amazing job with your with your PC. So I'm going all in on this these new ARM based MacBook Pros. So oh, okay, okay, good for you, man. <laughs> hey, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break, but stay tuned. We'll be right back right after this message. Thanks. When the working world shifts on its axis, how do you respond? Gamers want to play more than ever, and your game needs qualified artists and animators. 80 Level RFP smooths the rough spots of recruiting and hiring qualified creative talent during difficult times and beyond. Our unique process matches curated professional artists with top companies. It's efficient and 100% online. At 80 Level, RFP means ready for production. Are you? Get started today with 80 Level RFP. That's 80.lv slash RFP. Welcome back from the commercial break, and let's start the news. So let's talk about Zynga that is going all in on acquisitions. So um, there's a news that Zynga acquisition pushed it to record bookings of $628 million for Q3. And... Um, yeah, so Zinger reported that the uh, the bookings were up by 59% from the same quarter a year ago. And this revenues do not include deferred revenues where users spent <clears throat> the virtual currency they purchased until later. So these were 503 million and that is up by 400 by 46%. So the company grew like other game and media publishers because people are playing more in the pandemic. But Zynga was also able to integrate revenues from 1.8 billion acquisition of Turkey's peak games, as well as the ongoing revenue of its small giant games and grand games deals. During the quarter, Zynga also completed buying 80% of hyper-casual mobile game maker Rolik for 168 million. But Rolik results are not integrated into the numbers. And yeah, well, Rolik's that's mainly ad revenue. So in after hours trading, Zynga stock's price has fallen by 4% to and 9.46 a share. I'm not sure what the share price right now is. Uh, but one of the tidbit that I also kind of took away from, from this text was um, quoting Frank Chabot, Zynga CEO, on IDFA deprecation. So, quote, for the companies that are going to have changes to their tools, it's a lot more problematic than it is for us, Chabot said. We have a tremendous number of users on a monthly basis, especially now with Rolik, and we have a lot of information about how they play our games. All right, so Zynga is flying high. The, uh, the uh, four acquisitions have been fantastic. So here's what's going on on the portfolio lever. So when I looked at the numbers, I basically pulled the numbers from Q1, Q2, and Q3 of this year, and I mainly compare well, a quarter of a quarter and quarter one to quarter three. So I can take the quarter two, which was the lockdown season where every game company pretty much grew. So I take that out and kind of compare Q1 to Q3. Anyways, so here's some trend lines that is happening. We can see the Gram games is really under siege. Uh, both Merge Magic and Merge Dragons are hurting. So quarter over quarter, the, the revenues for those two games are down almost by 30%. And even if you compare to Q1 and Q3, uh, kind of take that the lockdown bump away, it's still down by 10 to 15% per game. And this is clear because the competition in merge games have been intensified tremendously. It seems like every 
second week or every week there's a new merge game coming in from a really small studio so they're really simple to produce apparently there's a good retention apparently the ipm is high so a lot of merge games are coming in there's one from uh big fish there's uh another one from the uh, super cell portfolio company matt not manticore metacore uh you know ton of ton of merge games there's one for future play games so so that's that's truly hurting uh merge dragons and merge magic the second one that is kind of worrisome is the decline of empires and puzzles so quarter over quarter they're down 20 percent. but honestly every game is pretty much down quarter over quarter because q2 was you know the peak lockdown season everybody was playing but even if you compare q3 to q1 you can see that the decline is over 10 percent. so that's a little bit worrisome and, and they are developing the new puzzle combat game so it's it's really a question of of how soon can they get there and then how long can they yeah if, if they can get to a growth pad or at least keep the game stable but it's still you know widely successful what really was the winner in in zynga's casino uh sorry in zynga's portfolio is the social casino games and those were actually the winners overall during the COVID, like the biggest genre that was growing is social casino. And we can see, you know, Hit It Rich growing by 50% when you compare Q3 to, to Q1. We can see Game of Thrones slots doing incredibly well. Wizard of Oz casino slots all doing incredibly well. And and Texas Hold'em Poker is is, is staying heavy, uh, stable. And then finally, Peak is stable. It's not growing. It's not declining. Um, you know, it didn't receive well. There, there was a little bit of a, of a COVID bump, but it's still quite quite stable of a company. And and uh, yeah, that's that's what's going on with Peak. On download sides, though, there are there's a little bit of a different story. So there was a massive boost of installs during the uh, the COVID, which nearly doubled the installs during the, the time. And now that we're in Q3, we can see the installs dropping by 60% compared to the COVID bump. But what's really um, not nice is how Rolex has been performing. So Rolex installs uh, have have over halved in Q3. Uh, they were really high in Q1. They were super high in Q2. And now when we were Q3, when the acquisition happened, uh, they're down by, by, uh, by 67% quarter over quarter. And then um, when we look at the, uh, the new launches that, that, um, that Zynga was talking about in their quarterly review, we can see that Wizard of Oz has really, really promising numbers. So I was looking at uh, revenue per download, and Wizard of Oz is twice as big revenue per download when you compare it to Toy Blast, when you compare it to uh, the Wonka's World of Candy Match 3, which is another Zynga's games. And it's, it's you know pretty much like 30% higher than even Toon Blast's revenue per download. So it seems that the game is monetizing really well, and it's it's really promising what's, what's going to happen with this. So, JK, what do you think about Zynga? Well, yeah, I think that it's a good point in terms of like the slot games and social casino games that are doing well, especially since people can't go to the casinos generally. Uh, in terms of the revenue per download, just one thing I would caution is that payback periods for, for social casino and slot games generally do tend to be pretty long like two to three years so while the revenue per download relative to their other games may be higher don't draw too many conclusions because the cost of acquisition may be a lot higher 
And but besides that, I don't have a lot here to add besides the main message for me would be concern over 2021, 2022, because so far Zing has been a growth story since Frank Jabot and over the past four years. And the story has been all about M&A and revenue growth with the expectation that higher profitability follows. So I suspect that the reason why the stock may be down is that investors are kind of seeing the end of the coronavirus bump as well as general slowdown in good acquisition targets to continue that revenue growth coming up, whether it's in 2021 or 2022. And I think that we're all going to have to expect in terms of Zynga, one, that M&A will slow down, and two, Zynga will have to operate more against profitability, meaning a shift in how it operates is coming. And that part has not yet been proven, right? Whether the margins will meaningfully improve. So personally, while I'm a fan of Zynga, I think things get a lot more difficult for the company in uh, this next uh, two years. Yeah, I, I, I still have to say this, this Rolex thing is kind of crazy because <laughs> they really scaled up one game that was called Go, Go Nuts 3D or something like that. Yeah. And it was, it was doing pretty much 30% of the, right. of, the, uh, of the publisher's installs, which is probably pretty much 30% of the revenues the way. Right. Well, and by the way, yeah, I think the other thing to notice, just to underscore yeah. your point about Frank Jabot's quote on IDFA deprecation. So Frank is basically signaling, hey guys, we got some IDFV thing figured out. I mean, right. I mean, he's not saying that explicitly, but that's basically what he's signaling from that statement that he, that he made. So as far as I know, everyone who I've talked to has no idea what you can do with IDFV. They're actually kind of on the opposite side saying there isn't much we can do with IDFV, but I don't know. That's how I'm interpreting Frank Jabot's comment. Yeah, well, he's saying that they have an extremely wide audience and through that they get a lot more visibility than a publisher that with a much more niche audience. Because if you consider Zynga, I mean, they kind of have all the tools that it takes to be a, a, a you know, cream of the crop publisher on mobile. Right. They have fantastic live ops capabilities. They have all the resources needed to use to use their acquisition. And it seems that investment in Rolic has been one of those investments into their future UA capabilities. They also have a lot of genre mastery. Uh, the, the, the companies that they've been buying, whether it's Graham Games, whether it's uh, Small Giant, whether it's Rolic or, or Peak, they all are master in certain genre. They're continuing making games in, inside that genre. And at the same time, when you look at their portfolio, it's incredibly diversified. They got everything from puzzle RPG to simulation to social casino to to poker to, you know, the only thing that they're missing is probably shooter games, but pretty much everything else is covered. So that gives them a lot of um, reduced risk in terms of volatility. But still, Rolik makes it, look ugly for every hyper casual game that is now the hyper casual <laughs> studio that is that is selling itself because nobody's gonna want to, to to take one it's like are you gonna lose 60 percent of your installs after we acquire you like yeah. that's that's just still not a good number but i i think it's just because that one game but still a little bit a little bit um sour taste if, if you if you look at uh yeah know. and we we still don't have the idfa deprecation impact to add revenues coming up for hyper casual so yeah we'll, we'll see what happens but it's positive or negative yeah but hey so now we don't have eric here so we can actually have a measured 
and objective a review of Glue's stock. <laughs> and the, the title is Why Glue Mobile Stacks Skyrocketed Today. So this was after their, their Q announcement. And it really went up significantly. So it, it skyrocketed by 24% after the company re- reported third quarter earnings. And the results topped analyst expectation and the company boosted its full year booking guidance. Revenue in the third quarter hit record $158.5 million dollars well above the consensus estimate of 136.3 million. I like how 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 like accurate these predictions are, like 136 per 3 million. It's like, come on. <laughs> anyway, that resulted in adjusted earnings per share of 11 cents compared with the 7 cents per share in adjusted profits that Wall Street was looking for. The company's reported bookings of 147.3 million in the third quarter. Daily active users were 2.9 million. And I'm going to quote CEO Nick Earl in his statement. So Nick Earl says, we followed up very strong second quarter with a better than expected third quarter that saw year over year bookings growth of 22% led by the continued strong performance of our growth games. So I think this is their forever franchise, something like that. On our focus on margin expansion led to significantly higher profitability driven by greater productivity from our marketing spend. All right, so let's look at their portfolio. Downloads are falling quarter over quarter by 45%, and they're falling 38% compared to Q1. So you take the uh, the, the Q2 away, the, the, the major COVID bump. The revenue has fallen double digit for nearly all of their top 10 titles quarter over quarter. Yet... When you compare the Q3 to Q1, which is, I think, is the most um, objective way of, of comparing them because it takes that major bump away, uh, we can see actually a solid double-digit growth across the portfolio. We can see that MLB 2020 delivers, as always. It's about $20 million a quarter game uh, at the moment. Uh, we can see that Disney is about $10 million a quarter ga- a quarter game, which is exactly what we projected. We said it's going to make about $3 million a month, and that is what the game is making. It's the same thing as Battlelines, same thing as Scopely's Looney Tunes. That's what you get with this type of an IP in the RPG genre. Uh, Diner Dash, it's a small game. It's about you know $7 million a quarter, and then Kim, Kim K just keeps on keeping on, so doing great. The true growth that came in is, of course, COVID fashion. So they were up by 30%, really impressive growth from a, from a true legacy title. And Design Home is just showing incredible numbers, incredible quarterly numbers. And um, when you actually, but when you analyze Design Home a little bit more, so Design Home is, is about 40, 40% of their revenue, pretty much. Uh, when, when you look at the Design Home numbers, you can see the quarter over quarter, the game declined, just like anything else, because the Q2 was so big, but the growth, uh, from Q1 to Q3 was among the smallest in the Glue's portfolio. And the way you can look at it is in two ways. So firstly, you can say that maybe they've kind of tapped the, uh, the, you know, the audience that they can achieve. I mean, it is a very US-centric game and, and they've been out for a long time. So maybe this is nearing the, uh, the maturity of the game. But the second thing that you have to look into is the competition because we talked in previous episodes about reworks, re-decor game. And again, if you start looking at those games, Redecor is very, very similar, and it's growing, really, really growing during the these last seven months since it was launched. So, it's it's uh, it seems that the competition is kind of catching up, and that is holding 
um, design homes growth a little bit. Um, and, and also when, when I think about Redecor and how that game is challenging design home, I have to think that somebody is going to make a challenge, uh, a game that is going to challenge COVID fashion as well, because COVID fashion is, is doing tremendously. It's been out for, I don't know how many years and it's still growing. It's, it's still an extremely solid game. So it's just a matter of question before somebody is able to, to challenge that one. Uh, when we look at the other games in their portfolio, like Deer Hunter, uh, it's it still doesn't look like much. They have Deer Hunter 2018. We haven't heard anything about the new one, and we talked about the Hunting Clash from Ten Square Games. Uh, MLB Tap Sports is as solid as they come, but other sport tap sport titles haven't really materialized. And while this whole sporting segment has grown, so there's no you know tap ping pong or tap tennis that could have been quite successful but for some reason glue hasn't been able to capitalize on these kind of like uh i wouldn't say tier two sports but a little bit smaller than than what ea is working on and then finally diner dash so diner dash world launched not so not so long ago and um it's solid but it's quite small and when i look at the uh, when i compare it to other time management games uh for example cooking diary from mytona uh, it's actually three times smaller than the Mytona game. So there's plenty of room to grow and there's plenty of room that, that Diner Dash should be growing into. But at the moment, it's it's still quite small for a company of of, of Glue's size. So JK, what's, what's your take on Glue? Well, first of all, congrats to Glue for a profitable quarter. But having said that, just to be honest, things that kind of bother me about their management is like these comments from Nick Earl where he's like, our focus on margin expansion led to significantly higher profitability. Like he's taking credit where there's no credit due, right? He really should have said coronavirus saved our ass. That's what he should have said. The other thing to note is that, so Glue reported its quarterly financial results on November 5th. But then if you, I was actually checking this, this website called Fintel, and you could see that on November 6th, the short interest nearly doubled from about 12.6% to 24%. So the market isn't fully buying this share appreciation. But I won't go too much more into Glue, except to say, I mean, Eric's talked ad nauseum about Glue, but the same concerns remain here. Basically, number one, Glue lacks a foundational strategy about how they're going to win and build long-term competitive advantage. Two, they haven't really shown consistency and sustained profitability. Three, there's a lack of a longer-term pipeline. Four, they haven't shown an ability to launch successful new game titles. And now, more recently, as you mentioned with Redecor, five, incoming serious competition in its core titles that have been propping it up. So, but One uh, thing that he didn't mention about Glue is Glue is an immortal company. Like every time when you think they're down and it's it's over, they are down. There's no way they can come out of this. Kim K comes out. Deer Hunter can't, comes out. Design Home comes out. So <laughs> they always have the magic bullet. They always have the Hail Mary that's going to come from somewhere. And I think part of – I'm not sure. I, we've read a lot of uh, quarterly notes, so I'm kind of like phasing. But I think they were talking about now they have more money to do – uh, M&A. And of course, they don't have the Zynga's war, war chest. But when I consider where Glue competes, Glue kind of competes on on these genres that are not dominated by the major players in the market. So when I start looking at it, and then what is really missing that they used to have is actually racing games. 
I'm pretty sure that that glue is going to add um, some kind of a car gaming company into their portfolio. Like that, that would be that would be my take. Yeah, I mean, more recently, to your point, they have had a lock on certain genres, and more recently, that's been on the female-focused genre. And that, in particular, when we see like the rise of China and other other countries, where it's going to be very difficult for them to understand the culture in terms of like a Kim K type game, in terms of a you know a high end home decoration type game. That competition is tough, especially when you're like a like a Chinese male designer, <laughs> right? So, but now with with companies popping up in Finland. To your point, they're going to have to bet on acquiring a, a, another game studio that basically saves their ass. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know if that's bleak, but that's that's been <laughs> that's that's has been the thing that keeps on happening is that they come out with with something amazing. I remember when the stock was like two two dollars two something. And I was looking at this design home crowdstar game and in, in soft launch, and I was telling everybody, "You guys need to invest. Like this game is legit. It's going to be big." And um, lo and behold, there there we are. Oh, all right, let's talk about EA. All right, so, revenue fell fourteen percent to one point one five billion for the quarter that just ended. EA reiterated that it's hard to predict pandemic impact on gaming which is why there's probably a little bit of a question mark in terms of guidance. And in terms of why did revenue fall, uh, that was attributed largely to FIFA 21, which is releasing next quarter instead of having been released in this last quarter. Now, big games released during this past quarter included UFC 4, Madden NFL 21, Rocket Arena, and Star Wars Squadrons. EA also noted that they will spend $2.6 billion on a stock repurchase program and start issuing a dividend. CEO Wilson also mentioned that EA's network has grown to 330 million unique accounts with tens of millions joining, but he did not mention a time frame that they joined. Jorgensen, the CFO, mentioned Apex Legends went from zero to one billion in less than two years. EA Play has more than 6.5 million paid subs and that EA will be adding games to Microsoft Games Pass. By the end of the year, EA expects to launch FIFA 21, Medal of Honor Above and Beyond, Need for Speed Hot Pursuit Remastered, and NHL 21. I think from this, the biggest takeaway for me is that you should make a special note of the stock repurchase and dividend news. To me, Again, like probably the management team that I like the least in the industry is EA's management. This just shows that management doesn't know what to do. Stock repurchase disproportionately benefits management and hedge funds that agitate for buybacks. So EA got a major pandemic windfall and management, instead of M&A, instead of investing in new businesses, instead of figuring out what to do with capital, instead of paying employees that make its product, Management is basically admitting they don't know what to do and instead would rather funnel the gains back to these hedge funds and management who are incentivized to be paid out on share price. And if you listen to like PE guys like Chamath Palihapitiya, who is famous for saying that the job of the CEO of public companies, their number one job is to be fantastic allocators of capital. So both financial capital and human capital. So if we look at Andrew Wilson from this lens, he hasn't allocated well against 
mobile, both from an M&A perspective or by recruiting and allocating human capital there? At least not yet. I know there's rumors of stuff being developed right now in terms of new mobile division, but so far it hasn't happened. And the stock repurchase basically means EA is basically throwing their hands up and saying, we don't know what to do. And you can argue that, well, EA is just a really big company, and so it's hard for them to find growth. But then look at Jeff Bezos, look at Elon Musk, who are operating at significantly larger scale. And so for me, I'm, you know, basically pretty negative on EA. What do you think, Mishka? Well, I, I don't know what to say. I mean, that's a, that's some that's some crest style attack on, <laughs> on EA. Um, I, I, I actually, I don't have a lot of visibility. I don't really follow AAA, um, business side. And, um, when it comes to stock repurchase, like, of course you can frame it in the way that you frame it, but you can also frame it in the way that EA management considers that they're undervalued at this moment. So they're investing into stock repurchase and they're actually going to make money by, by seeing the stock purchase, the, the stock price rising. So that, that could be one, one view of it. So. You know, I remember when Zynga was doing stock repurchase when the stock was at $2, even below $2, and currently it's 10 So I think that paid off pretty well. But not talking about that, let me talk about EA Mobile. That is the, the part that I do know. So what is really interesting is, let's start off with downloads. They did not receive the sort of a COVID bump that everybody everybody else received. Yet they are receiving the, the COVID aftermath decline of installs. So we all know that EA is not really a trailblazer when it comes to growth or you know modern performance marketing driven growth, but they do have some strong, strong, strong IPs that can save them for the IDFA deprecation. But nevertheless, it, it is kind of weird that, that their portfolio did not grow in terms of downloads when everybody else grew. So let's talk about revenue. It's, uh, it's pretty much all red with key titles, declining significantly quarter over quarter, just like everybody else, but yet declining visibly when you compare quarter, the last quarter to quarter one. The only key title that is growing uh, when you compare quarter one to quarter three, and that is SimCity Build It here out of Helsinki. Uh, so shout out to Bura, Bura Gerker. Uh, he was a PM in my studio. He enjoyed the studio a little bit a time ago. So clearly doing great work since the it's the it's the only title working uh, title uh, growing in the portfolio. So most worrying out of out of these titles is of course the decline of Star Wars: Galaxy of Heroes, because that game brings thirty percent of all mobile revenues, and you can see the steady steady decline. If it was making you know above eighty million net in Q1. It's now down to 70, and of course there was the uh, the good quarter two, but still the decline is is happening. And this is at the same time when we have shows like Mandalorian coming out uh, that that should be bumping up the game. Uh, FIFA was also on decline decline despite the uh, the ongoing seasons. Uh, NBA Live declined even during the COVID bump. So this was a uh, this was anomaly. So the game actually declined in quarter in second quarter. And I think this kind of plays with with what NBA was overall uh, experiencing. I think it was the uh, the least watched season or the least watched playoffs, with uh, with a lot of political tension that was happening. And in, in, um, you know, not going any, any deeper into it, but that seemed to have affected uh, not only the viewership of the season, but also or the playoffs, but also uh, the uh, the inclination for players to play it. 
but uh, there is something positive when you look at the uh, this red sheet that I have in front of me, and that is, of course, Madden NFL 21. It's off to a really roaring start. So let's see, let's see how that game progresses. And I, I think the um, I don't watch American football. I think that is ongoing. Am I correct? Uh, American football is ongoing. Yeah. Uh, is it popular? I mean, it is popular, but it, <laughs> is it, is it, is it experiencing like the same type of thing that NBA? Like, I don't want. I, to I don't know. I have the following. I, I mean, I haven't watched anything. Yeah. Um, we're, we're just a bunch of nerds. We don't know anything that is happening with with <laughs> basketball or or football, but um, but apparently, um, it's it's off to a to a really good start. Um, but yeah, it's it's as you JK as you mentioned, like EA Mobile is is. Overall, it's it's not looking too positive. I know that they hired they, they brought in a new leader from Big Fish, and really hoping that that uh, things change around. Uh, but but till now, it seems like they, it just hasn't been the focus of the company, and that has led to this sort of a steady decline that even the COVID bump was unable to uh, to course correct. Uh, what do you what do you think is the future of EA Mobile? Well, I mean, I hope they figure it out. Like. So, and let me just be clear, I I think that EA is probably not in as much trouble as some of the other companies, but I just don't like their management, if if I'm being clear. I do, however, expect some upside surprises for EA. I would fully expect there to be some things that aren't priced into the stock that may help. And as we've mentioned on previous podcasts, like every IP that's not on mobile, expect it to be heading over to mobile. And as Jorgensen mentioned, Apex Legends is, you know, went from zero to one billion in uh, in less than two years. Mm-hmm. Expect that to be on mobile. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. To my understanding, they're working on it uh, on Apex Legends mobile. Yeah, it's yeah, not not a super well kept secret. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's well, neither is the uh, Call of Duty. Warzone Mobile. I mean, there's a job ad for it. So I think I think there is there is definitely an upside through these type of um, massive hits that that they do have on on AAA. Yeah, no, but, I think um, there's other stuff as well, but I I won't. Yeah, talk about but listen, like whenever when I look at the list of these games, like let's be honest, when I look at these games, Star Wars, FIFA, SimCity, Sims, Madden, Need for Speed, Plants vs Zombies, Sims, and like, God damn it, like you would give anything to to have these type of titles in your portfolio and then i look at the numbers behind them like everything is rent minus 10 minus 45 minus 37 minus 7 minus 24 like this this is it's it's kind of like how would i put it like sad right it's like you know they, they have all the tools to to really be a powerhouse uh probably bigger than zynga but but it's not really utilized I think I'm just a little bit salty and bitter as well because EA, if you if you remember, probably most people don't realize, but Electronic Arts was named Electronic Arts because it really wanted to protect the interests of software artists, right? And so there was this whole thing about the emerging software artists, and that was the original vision of Electronic Arts. And it's kind of not the same company it used to be. So that as well as... This is something you're bringing from Trip Hawkins, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know how Trip feels about the current EA, but if I were him, I don't know. I again, anyway, I, I won't go into it too much more than that. But uh... all right. Well, this note, um, one shout out that I want to give out in, in the end is like we've been we've been really growing the uh, the Slack group for Deconstructor Fund. So if you're 
interesting in joining. Uh, if you have a lot of stuff to share, it's very business focused. Connect as always with JK. He will give he will give you the the golden tool. Some people are are sending me as well LinkedIn notes if they can join, but I'm I'm a little bit of a harsh uh, on on giving you the access. But but uh, we had we have a steady crew, uh, really good conversations going on. So um, if you're in the business side of games, I really recommend uh, applying. You can find the uh, the apply link on on Deconstructor Fun uh, website. Um, and then we have a lot of good podcasts coming out, right? Yeah, yeah. I think uh, you're gonna. What's coming up from you? You've got a few things coming up, right? The China and Ooh, what else? the China. Valorant. We, we had a talk with about China. We got Valorant. We got um, UA Molotov cocktail marketability stuff. We got CMO of Tactile. We got your favorite VC. Uh, <laughs> he's coming out as well. So, so uh, a steady pipeline. And next week we got Eric Crest back because he sat out this. And if you if you want to hear Eric's rants about the stock, he's providing um, his consulting services through Goss Goss Gamer Gossamer Gossamer Consulting Gossamer Consulting. Yeah, so connect with Eric Crest. And our advice is free as always because it's <laughs> apparently not worth paying for. <laughs> All right, thank you everybody for tuning in. Uh, we'll. Yeah, you'll hear of us in a, in a couple of days when we release more episodes. All right, catch y'all later. Bye. Bye.